This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel, the only way to travel to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and all those other Disney places. Contact them today at Communicore Weekly at FairyGodmotherTravel.com. Welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. I'm Jeff. What's up? Oh, nothing. You were gone last week, George. Yes, I know. We found we had that lost episode. I know. It was so cool to go back and listen to it and be like, wow, we sounded so young. (laughs) We sounded so young. We did. (laughs) We just sounded like baby podcasters. The the, the stress of life hadn't hit us yet. That's what it was. That's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I hope people enjoyed it. You know, we made it back to the island, and or wait a minute, that's D- a don't stop giving away spoilers, George. You always do this. Sorry, that's okay. The My reason man. you were gone last week, you're going to explain today in the troop report, exactly. aren't you? Exactly. It's a it's a different type of troop report, which is kind of exciting. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, still still theme parks and stuff like that, and there's some Disney in there. Even better. Well, let's listen. So, hey. All right. I'm Okay, so I got invited down to Central Florida, I guess we'll call it, by Busch Gardens Tampa and SeaWorld to take part in their Coaster Crusade on National Roller Coaster Day, which was August 16th. Uh-oh, I think it was August 16th. You forgot already. We'll, we'll, you would think the day we'll made specifically for you, you would remember. I would I would have remembered that date. So, But yeah, it was a, a special tours they set up where they invited... Um, various people from the media, various people from uh, the American Coaster Enthusiasts to come down, and you either started at Busch Gardens or you started at SeaWorld. I got started at Busch Gardens, and we rode, we were, we were scheduled to ride all eight of the coasters at Busch Gardens, and then they were going to take us on a shuttle bus, a mere shuttle, to SeaWorld, and we were going to ride the five coasters there. And there was a second group that started at SeaWorld and did it the exact opposite. So 13 coasters, one day, um, the most amount of coasters in Central Florida, owned by any theme park conglomeration, I guess we'll call it. So it was super fun. Uh, super fun. My friend uh, Bill, who's Mr. Coaster One on YouTube, let me borrow his GoPro and a wrist strap. He mailed it to me, so I got some great POV footage I've been putting on the internets. Um, but yeah, it was fun. So for starters, you know, I drove down and stopped it south of the border. Of course, of course, of you did. I ninety five. I had to. Hadn't done it in years. And it was sad and depressing. Now it wasn't as cool. I was as gonna I say, by sad and depressing, do you mean awesome or? No, it wasn't as cool as I wanted it to be. There was a lot of fantastic cement, uh, cement sculptures everywhere, and you know they had the sombrero tower that you could ride, but it just, oh, it just seems like it needed to be kept up a little bit better, and it just got a little bit long in the tooth. You, you need to so. be kept up a little better. <laughs> 
So, I mean, yeah, if you're on stopping on the way, it's a fun place to stop. You know, they got an arcade, they got some theme park or amusement park rides, restaurants, places to buy fireworks. But I was really more excited about getting down to Florida. So, but I, I drove through Orlando, even though the way I'm coming, going to Tampa would have been just as quicker, so I could stop and visit Disney Springs. Because I visited last year before they had done a lot of the construction. And now that they're almost completely finished with it, I wanted to see how amazing it was. I mean, you drive off of I-4 right into a Disney Springs parking garage, which is fantastic. It's like, that's very convenient. And, yeah, it's very convenient. And, you know, it's a it's a modern parking garage. Love it. But came out right next to the New World of Coke and walked through the train depot, which is like a covered esplanade with some shops in it and walked into the town center and i was blown away by how beautiful it is how well designed it is you don't feel like you're at pleasure island or the disney village and that's a little sad because i miss that nostalgia i I miss that too of those places but it's it's really well done and it's a place i wanted to be for one thing um great layouts uh, it ties beautifully in with the other parts like you know like pleasure island and the the west side that they've had they've tied it in all well together wonderful wonderful fountains everywhere because of course alluding to the disney springs uh very upscale but in a good way i've heard people refer to it as like sort of upscale outlet mall sure that's what it is but i really enjoyed being there food choices were fantastic i got to sample a little bit of it had a great time I got to where I felt a little lost, and it sort of reminded me a bit of it like being in New Orleans Square. Okay. Or the Morocco Pavilion, where you didn't feel like you were in a themed environment. You know, they had second floor balconies and tableau set up. It was wonderful. I was really impressed. Kudos to Disney for paying attention to the little details that, you know, they didn't need to. So, well done. Well done, Disney. Visit Disney Springs if you get the chance to check it out. But let's talk about... The Coaster Crusade. Yeah, I want to hear about this. We're all set out to ride all 13 coasters. I had the wrist strap from my friend Bill with the the GoPro Hero 4 on it, which was incredible. I've got to give me one of those. And showed up at uh, Busch Gardens Tampa about 8 o'clock in the morning. It was my second time there. I went last year and met with PR people and a group of others. There were probably about 20 or 25 of us or so. Split us up into teams. I was Team Blue, like Team Mystic for Pokemon Go, right? Oh, you're not Team Mystic? No. You're Team Instinct, aren't you? No, I'm Team Valor. I knew you were. Of course I am. Unvalor. So, uh, but the idea was they were going to let us ride all the roller coasters and let us get POV footage and, you know, tweet and talk about it, do all social media stuff. Uh, Once they got us, they gave us water, which is wonderful. And, you know, it's 8.30 in the morning in Florida and it's already 90. You're like, what's going on? My favorite. (laughs) What is this? So the, the first one up was Montu which is an inverted Bollinger Mablard coaster. Got to ride it in the front seat uh, next to my friend Rob and some other people. Got some great footage. And they walked us through other parts of the park. I mean, it's empty. The park doesn't open for an hour at least. There's employees walking around cleaning stuff, doing stuff. Cars parked in weird places. Weird. But it was fun. It was fun. They took us to Falcon's Fury, which I did not ride because it's not a roller coaster. It's a very scary drop tower where they take you up to the top and they turn the seat and face the seat downward and they drop you while you're facing down is that considered one of the roller coasters or no but it was just an extra for the day okay fair enough just something thrilling so i didn't ride that one i watched it and got scared uh and then we went uh went and rode sand serpent 
which is a cute little mouse coaster. Scorpion, which is an old Schwarzkopf looper, which was interesting to have such tight loops. And Kumba, which I had ridden before. And probably one of the funnest rides and the shortest rides of the day was Air Grover. Like Grover from Sesame yes, Street. Yes, from Sesame That's Street. That's amazing. He was, he was there too, hanging out with everybody, which was great. But by the time I was like, yay, Air Grover, down the first hill, we went a loop. Oh, it's over. Wait, I'm confused. They literally have a character called Super Grover. So why wasn't it called Super Grover instead? I don't know. I brought that up and, and everybody's like, what? Like, we don't Super talk Grover's about that. favorite one. But he came out and danced with some people and and gave high fives and took photos and stuff so it was really cool it was really cool and the the sadly the last coaster of the day at bush gardens tampa was supposed to be cobra's curse which is their new spinning coaster family coaster mm-hmm. but it was out of order that happens so our last ride was shikra which was the dive coaster you know they take you 200 some odd feet in the air and they hang you over the 91 degree vertical drop for like five seconds yeah and then you go through and Obviously, I hadn't mastered the GoPro even at that point because halfway through the loop, it sort of fell over. So I got a really great video of my seat restraint for part of it. So really quality footage is what you're saying. Exactly. Really, really, really quality quality footage. So so they, they hustled us back out to the parking lot, put us on the bus, then Mir Shuttle gave us a lunch, which was really nice. And in the flash drive, which I'd show you the flash drive, it looks like a Cobra. That's kind of cool. Pretty cool. It's kind of cool. And so then they took us to um, SeaWorld, and halfway through the drive to Orlando, the bottom fell out, and it rained and rained and rained and rained. But, I mean, Orlando, so you kind of expected that, I guess? You expect it, and, you, and it, we all looked at our radar on our phones. Um, the uh, the PR people were like, ah, it should blow away. We'll be okay. We we get there. They they, they bring us in the, the back entrance at the ports of call, and... You know, give us some more water and some snacks and tell us, you know, what we're going to do the rest of the day. I mean, there's five more coasters at SeaWorld we're excited about. But we had to wait for the rain and the lightning to go away because roller coasters are giant lightning rods. What do you mean? Exactly. Go figure. Giant metal. Uh, so they take us onto this attraction called Arctic Express, which I had never done before because this is my very first time at SeaWorld ever. Mm-hmm. And imagine Star Tours but with a different film, but they didn't change the uh, movement of the simulator. And you're basically going into the Arctic. Interesting. And it's it's a very old, it's a first-generation simulator, very old. Doors were shaking on it. We did not know what was going on. Um, and then take you, they took us into a giant Arctic base. We got to walk around and see some of the animals in there. And then we just said, well, let's wait out here by the sharks. Yeah, baby sharks that you could usually pet. I, I don't know why. It's okay. Okay, whatever. But we just sort of waited, and it's like, we'll wait for the rain to blow through, you know, and the thunder to go away. So we sat there for about an hour. And nothing? Nothing happened. I caught a bunch of Pokemon. I was near a Pokestop, so I was able to refill, you know, get a bunch more Pokeballs and revives and stuff like that. Uh, and then about 3.30, they said, well, let's, we're going to head towards Mako. We think we're going to get you guys on a ride. And they take us through the Shark Reef, which was pretty neat. Uh, it's like one of those... Um, uh, it's an aquarium that you go th- sort of through the middle of it on a conveyor belt, which I love those, you know, because you're right underneath. Yeah, yeah, you get like right in the action. Absolutely love them, yeah. So we did that, saw sharks going by. It was pretty scary. And then we get out, and we're waiting for a few minutes, and they finally said, the thunder's not going to stop, so we can't get on any coasters. That and is the worst. 
that's the worst. But they drove us back to Busch Gardens, Tampa. And of course, no fault to anybody at SeaWorld. They were fantastic. They were gracious. Appreciate the time. Uh, but sadly, we couldn't get on any of the coasters. And by the time we got back to Busch Gardens, it had closed. And we found out Cobra's Curse was opening. That it had been working. But that's okay. I'm going back in November for IAPA. Uh, they're going to take me for another tour around SeaWorld. And so I'm excited. So I'll get to do my other coaster. That is super exciting. Unless, unless it rains again. And that just means every time I go to SeaWorld, it rains. It's cursed. You've cursed SeaWorld cursed, with rain. Which is cursed. So I know the other group that started in um, Orlando and went to SeaWorld, they got to ride everything, which is okay. Which is okay. I'm not that bitter. Just a little. Only a little bitter. A little, little bitter. Just a little. But it was a fantastic experience. And I never realized there were that many coasters in Central Florida. You know, you think about the handful at Disney and Universal, but then you've got the five at SeaWorld and the eight at Busch Gardens Tampa. Yeah. And, and and a little tip, if you are staying in Central Orlando and you do not have transportation, there is a shuttle that goes every day that's free from SeaWorld to Busch Gardens and it'll bring you back in the evening. Good to know. So you don't have to rent a car and you can visit Busch Gardens Tampa, which is a wonderful park. Fantastic animal experiences, really good food. And some awesome coasters. Hmm. So I'm glad I got to do it. So, you know, we'll we'll put out a link to some of my uh, POV videos on some of the uh, some of our social medias or something like that. Please do. I want to see whatever them. we do. Yeah. So uh, we'll have fun with it. And uh, occasionally, I was riding with my friend Rob from uh, another podcast, and the whole time he's on the roller coaster, he just screams the name of the roller coaster, <laughs> which I've never heard anybody <laughs> do. He's 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 Cheetah Hunt. Oh, I forgot. We yeah, we rode Cheetah Hunt too. Which is awesome. Oh, I hear that one's fun. Coaster I've ever been on at Busch Gardens, but it's the, it actually tells a story, which is wonderful. That's interesting not for like, a roller coaster. Not like rock and roller coaster where you're late mm -hmm. to change a screen after 17 years, but um, this is where you're actually, you are the cheetah and you're hunting, and it's fantastic. That's cool. So, I dig that. Had a great time at the Coaster Crusade. Hope they do it again next year. Would love to go back and see if we can get all 13 in one day this time. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. So I've had a lot of questions over the past couple of weeks about Disney biographies, especially on Twitter. And so I wanted to hit a few of the best books, actually two of them, that I think everybody should read. First one up is Walt Disney, an American Original by Bob Thomas. And we've talked about Thomas before. He wrote the great book about Roy Disney. But he worked closely with Walt on a few projects, including a book on animation. And Thomas was able to offer, he was offered the opportunity to write the first original, or I mean the first authorized biography of Walt, which was published in 76, 1976, 10 years after Walt's passing. And Thomas had interviewed many of Walt's staff and peers, as well as uh, relied on a lot of information from the archives and Dave Smith. And sometimes it's considered a little too saccharine or a little too, maybe it's been glossed over. But I think for the most part, Bob Thomas had a really good look at Walt Disney, and it's a book I highly recommend, especially if you're just getting into the company. It's a great place to start. But uh, my favorite biography is The Animated Man by Michael Barrier, and he it was published in 2007, and he's an animation historian who's written so many books about animation and has written a prominent magazine called Funny World in the 70s. Um, and he really looks at Walt's life more through the lens of animation than he does anything else. But he does talk about Disneyland and the theme parks, but it really looks at the man and how he was formed through his art. So I really, really love uh, 
the animated man is probably my favorite one. And a lot of people, though, ask me about Neil Gabler's Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination. And it's one that I really tell people to try to stay away from. Uh, the Gabler's book is extremely negative. He was given unprecedented access to the archives. And afterwards, they sort of shut down the archives to outside visitors. Don't know if it has something to do with that. Just seems like do, suspicious timing to me. It's a little suspicious. But I do know that uh, the Walt Disney family has, you know, uh, basically said they don't approve of this biography as well. Uh, and there's a lot that uh, uh, Michael Barry has gone in and found mistakes in Gabler's book as well. It's just so negative, I just really didn't enjoy it. And compared to Bob Thomas's book, which could be a little, you know, like I mentioned, saccharine, a little bit glossy, if you read the American original by Bob Thomas and you read The Animated Man by Michael Barrier, you're going to get a really fantastic look at his life, at Walt Disney's life, from a few different angles. I think it's worth it for your time to take a look at both of those. So we got two books for the book of the week? Sure, so books of the week it is. We'll do it. We'll do it. What we liked, what we didn't like, he's in the booze! 60-second review! So the Jungle Book... The film hit the big screens over the summer, and it really didn't do much. Uh, I saw a few positive reviews, but nothing that made me really want to go see it. Um, you know, the Animal Kingdom added a night show based on the Jungle Book. I know, Half Night Park. Shush no, you. I'm not gonna, I know I'm not going to say it. But, you know, I still didn't really have a big interest in seeing the film, even on Blu-ray. But it showed up as a review copy, and I, I had a little bit of interest. Wanted to see what it was, and... So, hey, we're reviewing it for you guys. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't get a chance to catch it either, but there was some positive hype around it. So when it showed up, you know, I immediately popped it into the Blu-ray player. And I know George and I were discussing before, uh, we have slightly different takes on it, but I will start off by saying I was pleasantly surprised, but also slightly underwhelmed at the same time, if that <laughs> makes any sense whatsoever. Yes, it's... It, I, I, yeah, it, technologically... It was pretty spectacular. Uh, the story was missing a lot. Yeah. And we know you can't just have a movie because of the technology. You know, uh, <coughs> dinosaur. <coughs> dinosaur. Um, Avatar. <coughs> yeah, yeah, same thing. Uh, but the, uh, you know, my, my 12-year-old started watching with us, left after like 10 minutes, came back like a half hour later and just sat down and loved the last half of the movie. Hmm. It was the weirdest thing, but it's got some big-name stars in it, so I just don't know why it was so uneven. Yeah, you know? it was a little weird. I mean, it, it wasn't a musical like Disney's original animated film, which is fine. I'm okay with that. Um, but there mm -hmm. were two, I guess, musical-like numbers included, um, <laughs> which kind of, in my opinion, were some of the best portions of the entire film. Um However, the, the lead actor as well, uh, I really, really loved his performance, especially when considering that he was acting against a green screen for pretty much the entire film. Like, for mm -hmm. such a young performer, he was quite versatile. Yeah, and, and he had that same diaper on for like nine months. I know, he didn't yeah. have to change his costume. It was amazing. It was great. So, um, so the, the actor, his name was uh, Neil Sethi. I'm assuming I'm saying that wrong. He did do an incredible job. But, you know, in one of the extras, you sort of get to see how they brought the Jungle Book to life. And a, a lot of the time, it was Neil acting against Jon Favreau, uh, you know, or, or a puppet from Jim Henson Studios, which I thought was kind of cool. 
that they brought the yeah. Jim Henson Studios in for it. Uh, for instance, the, you know the scene where he, they're floating, him and Baloo are floating down the river. You know, he was actually singing the song with John Favreau before they. You know, well, John Favreau and Baloo are probably like the same size anyway, so it worked out pretty well. The same size, and the same personality, really. Yeah, but, you know, the film itself, it, it was stunning because of the computer graphics and the artistry. I mean, this was one of those times where it was like, either they really made animals learn how to talk, or computers have gotten to the point where, yeah, it's it's ridiculous it was, how good they are. Yeah, and I was strangely atta- attracted to Ka, the snake, for some reason, but I can't... I can't, can't figure, out, figure why. out why. I don't see why didn't they make her? Why didn't they make that character a Black Widow? I don't know. That's weird. It would have made more sense. Gigantic Black Widow would have made way more sense. Anyway, yeah, so know. the extras on the disc, uh, there there was one looking uh, directly at the the main actor Neil and how he like got into the role, and there's also like this 30 minute behind the scenes documentary fluff piece, which had some good parts, but uh, you know, like George said, you're mostly viewing it for the how fantastic the movie looks overall. At least once yeah. you need to see it. Exactly, and uh, you know, I know we talked a little bit about the artists as well, and uh, or, the, or the voice actors yeah. itself. You know, it was uh, you had mentioned it when we were talking about it earlier when Bill Murray comes in as Baloo. That's sort of when the story picks up a whole bunch. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, that made a big change. And then when you've got the King Louis scene with Christopher Walken, it was hard for me to really. He started to look like Christopher Walken in a way. Louis, yeah, it was like, whoa, what happened here? <laughs> he is kind of scary. Um, you know, the voice acting was stellar. Computer graphics were amazing. I definitely think it's worth at least seeing it once. You know, this this might be a perfect, you know, red box rental or something like that for this film. Yeah. I don't know if you want to buy it unless you're a huge animal fan. Sure. I would give it one thumb maybe. Or one 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 paw? One prickly pear? Sure, whatever. Or a prickly paw with a pear bear? Eh. Alright, so so yeah, this week we looked at the jungle book, obviously take a look at it, rent it, but may not need to buy it. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. Star Tours is great, no matter what version of it you've been on. You know, the original, uh, 2.0, or even the new one with the Force Awakens stuff kind of shoehorned into the middle of the time travel story they have going on. But... If you want to know how it was originally, you need to head over to the Sci-Fi Dine-In at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and you'll be able to see a little secret about it. So when you first walk in, if you head down the hallway to the right, um, you'll find some boxes with drawings on them. And if you look a little closer at the drawings, you'll see they'll feature like a little robot and some other random stuff. And underneath it, you'll see the phrases like, uh, Rex makes a sharp left bank as we continue our fall. Ahead, a crate can be seen entering the room. So these are actually the original storyboards for Star Tours. So when you look at the the pictures, you'll see Rex on the left-hand side of every board, uh, the main screen in the middle, which is the viewport, and the right has the screen showing, you know, whoever popped up, whether it was R2, D2, or whatever, just like the real thing. So they wanted to give the audience a whole, like, the whole shebang of what they're looking at when you're you're on the attraction. So it's a cool little view into their process. That is, that's fantastic. But I do want to know how you get a crate that just can be seen entering the room. How's a crate enter the room? Uh, usually pretty loudly. <laughs> and they scrape a lot. Yeah, yeah, they have a little trouble walking and <laughs> have legs. You know, they just kind of roll. It's fine. Exactly. Just do it that. Just, it was the precursor to BB-8. Yeah, I'm yeah, assuming. yeah. BB-Box. Exactly. That's, that's BB what it was. BB-Crate. No, BB-Crate. That's, yeah, BB-Crate. That works too. Better. That was a better joke. Okay. That was the one I should have went for. Yeah, that's okay. <clears throat> so we will move on. So it is time for our year of a million or so limited time cadets prize winner announcement hooray and yay in case you've been living under a communicore rock 
or some other kind of rock. I guess there's lots of rocks. <laughs> there's a lot of rocks um, out there. <laughs> there's a lot of rocks. Uh, you can enter this weekly contest. We're giving a prize away every week on the show, picking a lucky winner. Just have to email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name and address. That's so important that we have your address. Super important, guys. So we can mail this out to you. Um, got a handful of shows left. We're getting down to less 18. than three. 18 shows, 18. 18 chances to win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although you're all winners, but 18 chances to win a prize. Yes, but 18 of you will be more winners than the rest. More winnery? Yeah, Win- winnerist. Okay. That'll work. So, okay, Jeff, so take it away with this week's prize. Okay, so this week's prize is sponsored by Fair Godmother Travel. Thank you, Teresa Corey. And the winner is Mark W. from Riverton, Utah. Ooh, Riverton. I hope it's like maybe a life jacket or a I don't know maybe I bet but it's a, a canal town over there they gotta use boats to get around like oh, Venice probably is like Venice so 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 Mark send us a photo put it on the social stuff that we do we'd love to see the prize and see you enjoying the prize yeah please exactly especially so, enjoying it exactly so uh thank you guys uh wow gonna end it I guess yeah I guess that's it George like you know, this is the time we end the show end. All right, well, thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. However you listen to the show, whether it's on YouTube or iTunes, be sure to leave us a comment, leave us a rating. We'd love to hear what you think. Yep, and you can email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to enter the contest or just say hey or send us some cool bathroom photos. You can also like like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicoreweekly. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm at Imaginerding. He's at Jeff Heimbach. And of course, give us a call on the Communicorely Goat Line at 424-785-4628. And you can visit communicorweekly.spreadshirt.com to pick up some incredible Communicore Cadet clothing. And you can also send away for your official cadet membership card and sticker. I just picked up two from the mailbox today. Um, so make it, make sure you send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. And you can visit patreon.com slash Weekly to find out how you can support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.